is it? Now, Monday. Aloha, weekday warriors. You got through another Monday. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. That means it's time to dive headfirst into the entrepreneurial abyss and explore what it means to run a business in the digital age with creative and practical insights from business owners across the country just like you. Sounds like a case of the Mondays. You're listening to the Weekday Warrior Show with Chris Wall. The only moron in the whole world who actually likes Monday. Well, hello there, Weekday Warriors. It's uh, it's Monday, so that means <laughs> we've hit the 3.30 hour, and it's time once again to take to your questions. We are going to dive into the SMB owners ask me anything questions and we'll just get started right now. All right. We're looking at Monty R says bootstrapping your business. I need an opinion. Is it better to go into debt and buy everything you need? And he uses air quotes for the word need all at once when you start your business, or should you slowly pay for these things using cash flow that you earn? The first, uh, let's see, the first option gets you in business quicker to offer full service, but you're higher risk because you're taking on debt. The second option means that you're slower into doing your business, but there's no risk from debt exposure. Uh, yes, thank you for laying out the, I feel like you've answered your own question. And if you haven't, let me just tell you now that the only way to get rich quick is to get rich slow. I've probably said that a million times. Personally, I am extremely, extremely anti-debt. The business that I run, Stratford Media, 100% debt-free, 100% bootstrapped, meaning took a few dollars to get everything going early on. And a lot of patience and perseverance when it comes to uh, just setting aside funds for the other things that you uh, rightfully put in air quotes need. What do you really need in order to start a business? Because the wish list, even, you know, in, in the case of a landscaper, the wish list is the absolute best mower that ride behind whatever they're called. And three awesome gas edgers and a backpack blower. That's going to cost you four, five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred dollars, however much they cost. Or how about that used push mower? This is so that's this, this is the bootstrap version. The used push mower that cost you fifty bucks. It cuts the grass exactly the same. It's a little slower, but you're not plowing through fifty customers when you start. You've you got one, two, maybe three. So you kind of have time. You kind of have time in the very beginning, at least. Is that smart for you know, the big commercial operation? Of course not. But the used mower that costs you 50 bucks, the, the edger, maybe you got it brand new, the halfway between com commercial and consumer level. I know how much they cost. I just bought one. It was 200 bones. Uh, that, the, that performs the same functions. And like you say, you're slower into growing the business, but there's no risk from debt exposure. When you are welcoming business debt, you're, you're digging yourself up into a hole that you may very well be able to dig yourself out of, but you've already got the entire world on your shoulders. You're already at, you know, threat level midnight when it comes to risk. 
So adding debt, having this pile of money that you right out of the gate have to cough up. Plus the other pile right next to it called the interest that you have to cough up. When those checks come in, that hurts. So my answer is to bootstrap 100% every single time. If the equipment you need to start your business is expensive, rent it. If you think you need all of these insanely expensive state-of-the-art pieces of equipment, maybe you don't. Uh, this, this does go, I mean, I'm talking, you know, uh, advanced laser therapies for cosmetic surgeons and things like that. The, the debt that these people go into with these machines without even running the numbers to say, okay, I'll have this paid off after I treat, uh, let's see here, da, 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 carry the one, 4,000 patients. Then I'll have room to pay myself. Doesn't make sense. So bootstrap 100% every single time. And stay out of debt. My other recommendation for, for you, Monty, is to check out Profit First. Not a sponsor, not even an affiliate. The author won't even come onto the show. He's too busy, but that's okay. Check out Profit First. It's a book by Mike Michalowicz. He has a system where you are essentially setting yourself up for success because you can pay yourself. Um, you divide your income up into very specific quadrants that the book kind of helps you walk through how to determine what those amounts are. And then every month, twice a month, you're able to pay yourself. You're able to put money into the operating expenses of the, of the, of the company, uh, setting aside money for taxes. Hello. And then even little bonuses that you can give yourself as a little hat a boy for taking the risk and diving headfirst into the entrepreneurial abyss. Michael H. from Natural Awakenings. He says, a quick question. Let's say you're the owner of a smallish business. You have 20 stores spread out over several cities. Well, that's not smallish. Uh, your office address, phone, and emails are not listed. A potential vendor calls some of your stores trying to make an appointment to speak with you. Would it make sense that most of the people who picked up the phone would not recognize your name? And the very few who do would have no idea how to contact you. I realize owners are busy and can't just take every cold call that comes out. But wouldn't they have some gatekeeper tasked with at least taking a message or perhaps an assistant who could handle vendor calls? Do you or would you run your business like this? Is there some major advantage to doing it this way? Okay. Michael, the good question, and every business owner is going to decide how they want to handle things in a way that fits within their business so that they're running the show. The show's not running them. In your specific example, I don't know if you're quote unquote asking for a friend and this is you and you're wondering how to structure your, your phone system. I don't know. Uh, one of the sponsors of the show is a company called TC Kokua. Uh, I just figured I would drop that name so that you can, you know, see what your options are, but there are lots and lots of options. If you have multiple locations, the popular thing to do now is to have a centralized phone number dedicated to those multiple locations so that the staff don't have to, um, answer calls. If you're, if you're staffing lean and mean, you, you probably aren't able to take time away from service live customers. Um, and put that time into answering the same questions. Are you open? When do you close? 
you know, uh, the frequently asked questions. So get a phone system, get a phone system in place or have live answerers that you pay. Um, you can outsource that. So it's like a zero liability thing. You pay a couple hundred bucks a month and then all the, all the answers are there. Your people on the phone feel like they're heard because they're, they're getting great service. They're having their question answered. And the people who are in the store uh, don't feel like time has been taken away from them. Lots of different options. The popular thing to do right now when you have multiple locations is to, you know, tie the, the website or maybe the Google My Business listing into a centralized phone number that can either give automated answers to the frequent questions and then press five to speak to a representative, which could be you, the owner, honestly, or it could be, you know, someone that works uh, either in the main office or someone whose job it is to handle that. And then of course you can outsource that. Another benefit of outsourcing that would be, um, you know, we can have different locations, different phone numbers, and it kind of gives you that, that local feel. So what I would do if I was in your shoes and I was staffing lean, I'd probably uh, centralize it. Yeah. All right. We, one more quick one before we hit commercial. Uh, I need to help. I need help setting up an LLC. Any advice or recommendations to get this done easily and affordable as possible? Well, Linda P from Lime Life. Uh, my advice would be to do that yourself. Most states have uh, websites that are set up to allow you to go through a process where you answer a few questions about how the business is structured. You upload the appropriate documents, you pay the fine and you're done. Uh, an attorney can also do this. If you are 100% sure that you're going to screw it up, then it is absolutely worth it to find someone and pay them to set it up for you. So that that's going to cost you anywhere from 500 bucks, you know, to sky's the limit, depending on who you talk to. Um, it's a great option if you can afford it. If you can't afford it, uh, just carefully consider your answers when you go through the process in Hawaii, the fine, the fee rather, I think is like $75 for an LLC to get that going. So no matter what you do, just remember, do it. You're, you're on the right track. Absolutely. And that's very exciting. So congratulations, Linda. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, more of your questions from the SMB owners, ask me anything here on weekday warriors. This episode of Weekday Warriors is sponsored by Broadstream.fm. Don't get fined by the music police. You know, streaming music in your restaurant, retail store, or waiting room, even if it's your paid premium account, it's illegal. Broadstream offers fully licensed, hand-curated music, along with custom messaging unique to your brand. That's right, your own custom radio station. With no repetitive playlists, your staff will love you. And with music to set the right mood and custom messaging made just for your store, your customers will love your brand even more. Visit broadstream.fm and mention Weekday Warriors to get your first month of service absolutely free. Offer ends May 27th. Aloha, Weekday Warriors! Hello, Yay Warriors! Aloha! Hey, Weekday Warriors, we're back. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with us here. We are going through... The Ask Me Anything, the SMB AMA. So for business owners who want to send in your questions, you can do so over at 
hawaiigrowswithus.com. And right at the bottom of that page, there's a form where you can submit your questions. We're limited on time, so I'm going to jump back in. This is Roberto V, who says, what kept you motivated during the ups and downs of jumpstarting your business? Great question. What kept me motivated? I mean, there's a lot. It took a lot. It took a lot to keep me motivated, especially uh, in those earliest days. One of the things that you can use on a daily basis, especially day one, week one, month one, year one, is to avoid this, uh, this doubt mindset that some people call imposter syndrome. Uh, if you've ever found yourself in a place where you're, you're kind of in the throes of whatever project that your business is in the midst of, and you ask yourself, what am I doing? Well, I'm not qualified to, to do this. I'm not, uh, you know, I, I don't have an MBA. I don't have 30 years of experience. What, what makes me think I can really get away with doing this? That's commonly known as imposter syndrome. And essentially it's, it's fear. It's just a fear-based mentality um, when you're doubting yourself. <laughs> and it's something that keeping motivated is not going to work if you're struggling with that imposter syndrome. So um, yeah, just, just, you know, I'm not saying you fake it till you make it because as common as that expression is, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. I don't think you really should fake it. I think you should be um, an expert. You should be a pro. You should be offering a service that solves people, pro solves other people's problems. And you should be doing so with excellence and in a way that delights your customers. Just ask uh, Warren Buffett. But yeah, that's one thing that, that helps me to be motivated when I fall into that trap of doubt or fear or imposter syndrome. Um, reminding myself of all the people that I've served as a business owner, you know, it just uh, avoiding that negative mindset. And then, you know, community of friends and family and my church and all of these other things that just kind of keep you rocking and rolling. One thing that could keep you motivated is to remember this is not your life. And, and I mean, this is not the entirety of who you are as a person. This is your chosen way of hitting the marketplace. Some people go get a job. Some people start a business. Uh, it's not your identity. Your identity is not wrapped up in the work that you do. And if, if it is, that might not be the healthiest, um, way to go about your life. So yeah, remember who you, where you find your identity, cling on to that and try to avoid all the doubt that comes with, um, uh, imposter syndrome is what I would say. Okay. Let's see another question. Another question. Uh, Brian M says, I keep hearing stories about lousy experiences with digital marketing companies with your attempts to hire out SEO, PPC, or other online marketing. What kind of experiences have you had good or bad? Hmm. Well, if you do it enough and you <laughs> are active in that space, then you will have both good and bad experiences for sure. When you're hiring a company to handle that for you, which, um, you know, I recommend doing if you're going to jump into that space for the first time, it's good to have an expert. Uh, just remember that, uh, the work takes time and the results take time. It's not an overnight thing. If it was, uh, an overnight success, then you, you know, you, you had this magic pill that you could take and then wake up in the morning with a hundred new customers, that magic pill would probably cost you $500,000 a pop. So give it time, 
you know, have, have a realistic budget. You can't, if you, you should know by now, the person that you're working with should tell you in your industry, this is what we expect. You spend this much money to get this many new leads and then just improve on that. Try to optimize that dollar amount, but even more important, just get better at turning leads into customers. Because if your conversion rate improves, that's the rate of leads that turn into people who buy from you. If you improve that with your work, your hard work, your training, your, you know, improving the way you close, the way you sell, the way you serve, then that budget, let's say it's $1,500 to $2,000 a month, not so scary if you're turning most of that into new customers. Uh, so yeah, on a, a bad experience example would be a marketing company who you've worked with for, let's say three months and then you're not getting the results you wanted and they're telling you the reason is because you're not spending enough money or you're doing something wrong. Now that could be, you could be terrible at selling, but if the leads are coming through, um, you're not going to be having that question, but let's say they're not coming through. And the excuse from the marketing company is you're not spending enough money. I would, I would be very upset by that because I hired this company because they're the experts and being the experts, they should have gone in and figured out what it would take, right? If they didn't, if they did their homework in the first place, they understood me, they understood my clients probably should have known that in the first place that I wasn't, you know, spending enough money. So that's an example of a bad experience, but you know, give it three months. Um, that's, that's the, the, the amount of time we usually expect with an SEO effort or an advertising effort. Give it three months to start to see where you're really going to be. Don't expect the overnight pill. If you think you're going to stress out over this on a daily basis, then you probably shouldn't be doing it in the first place that you might want to stick to networking. You might want to stick to, you know, showing up at meetings and stuff like that. Burnout and safety. Uh, okay. This is Monty again. Monty's got the questions. Is burnout a safety issue to the company owner? Safety training seems to be a big topic these days. What are you doing to train yourself and your team not to burn out? Ooh, culture question. Okay, so for the solopreneurs, burnout is very risky and it's a, it's a dangerous place to be in because once you're burned out, you're dropping your productivity, you're dropping your passion and you're not doing as much you could fast track failure really quickly with that. If you're a, a business with employees and, and your team is feeling burned out, that's, that's also pretty risky. That's also something that you really want to avoid because burned out employees are not productive. Burned out employees can steal. Burned out employees are going to not care about customer service or customer experience. So uh, just think in terms of culture, company culture, what can I do to make my team happier? What can my team do differently to, to make sure that they're happier and, you know, feeling fulfilled and happy are, 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 you know, benefits wise, compensation wise, what are you doing to make them feel appreciated? Uh, last week we talked about appreciation for the entire show. So that might be worth a listen over at uh, Hawaii Girls with us. You can listen to the podcast the, the things that you do to make your team happy are going to you know, play into uh, burnout, but, but so is, you know, the job description. How are you changing things up? How are you keeping things excited? Uh, are you playing the same four hour playlist over and over and over and over again? That causes burnout. <laughs> so you might want to think of a service like broadstream.fm. 
um, to just have something more exciting going on for your um, employees and for your customers too. It's a twofold, but yeah. Um, is burnout a safety issue to the company owner? Yes, absolutely. It is. Absolutely. It is. Okay. Uh, Shashi K says, is it better to buy an office space or lease one? What are the tax benefits of buying versus leasing? Um, wow. Okay. Well, that, I guess that goes back to the bootstrap question. Buy versus lease. Can you, if you're in a position where you can afford the, the commercial space and you think it's going to be right for you in the long term, or you're ready to grow out of it and you can uh, rent it out, then of course buy 100% buy, buy the space. But when you're starting out and, and a lot of our listeners are, are new to business or new to, to growth, uh, leasing, uh, I've, I've never purchased a commercial space. I've always leased our, our office. Uh, if you're in need of space outside of the home, think about some of the businesses that operate around you. They probably have desk space or even a, in a vacant office that they would love to rent out to you because it helps them with their rent. So I hope that helps Shashi. Thanks for the comment. Thank you listeners. Everybody who submitted a question via our website, hawaiigrowswithus.com. I got you. I'm going to be answering everybody's questions. And if you've got something to ask, you can scroll down to the bottom of hawaiigrowswithus.com, fill out that form and boom. Thanks to our sponsor this week, broadstream.fm. My name is Chris Wall. Thanks for listening to Weekday Warriors. 